Guys, if you do have your Bibles there open to Matthew chapter 5, go ahead and leave those open. We are going to be referring to Matthew chapter 5 in just a moment. Um, And uh, thank you for being a part of today's worship service, today's EHC Sunday celebration. So (laughs) it's a funny thing. I have tried to finish this message three times. Today is the third time. So with God's help and uh, and just moving quickly, we're going to get it done today. So uh, Lord, help us to finish this passage. It is a different passage of scripture, but it definitely refers to uh, that passage that we shared over the last couple of weeks from Philippians chapter 4. My idea in the message series is starting and sustaining momentum. And I want to talk a little bit about how you do that today. But one of the first things that I wanted to share with you guys is, is that ultimately you can start a lot of things. You've probably gone through like me or like many of us, and we've talked about, well, this is what's going to be different in 2024, and this is the thing that I'm going to do that I did not do, or this is the thing that I'm not going to do anymore that I used to do. And we change all of these things that we do. But I've been trying to convey and to drive home the point that ultimately, until we change the way that we think, we will probably come back to the place where we were at one time, what I've called the status quo. You can call it anything that you choose, but ultimately, it's one of those things that as you fall backwards into the things that have always been familiar to you, uh, that will happen. And when it does, the question is, how will your mind react and respond? Because for most of us, if that's happened in our past, that has happened and we've just simply said, well, I guess because this has happened, it's just not meant to be and it's not going to be this year, maybe some other time. And then we kind of wave the white flag on the things that we're doing. And so I just want to convey to you today from this passage of scripture, as well as the ones that we've shared and some others that are going to be coming up on the screen, I've got a couple of scriptures to consider. We've just been talking about all of the different ways that we need to change our minds and our mindset. And so I encourage you to think hard and take that home with you as you move forward. Now, let's talk about something that happened yesterday. I have no idea what kind of fans I have here. Um, by the way, am I echoing a little bit? It, I, I, I tried to do that because I want to sound like I'm in a stadium right now. Like that's what I'm shooting for. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to see you here today. You know, okay, no. So anyway, let's check out this slide here. How many of you guys were watching yesterday the Houston Texans? Were any of you guys watching the Houston Texans? Uh, wah, wah, right? I mean, hey, can I say that this year was a success? Can I get an amen? I mean, this was a successful year. Now, I'm not a huge football fan used to be. That's a whole other issue. But let me just simply say this. Ultimately, they've done some great things. This is C.J. Stroud, who, as you can see, he's got a cross there on his uh, armband, and he really seems to be professing the Lord in a great way. This is D'Amico Ryan's um, great first-year head coach, just so much change has happened. They went from having the second pick in the draft to being in the second round of the playoffs in one season. So that is pretty good. I think that's really good. And so I'm encouraged and I'm hopeful. My fingers are crossed. They may just get me back into football. We'll see what happens, all right? But let me just share this with you. There is a guy in our area, and I've actually met him a couple of times. I 
I could say I worked out with him, but actually he was just in the locker room at the same time as I was. So, you know, I call him my workout partner now because I'm just like that. But have you, how many of you guys have ever heard of Spencer Tillman? I know you have. Yes, another OU fan, a few OU fans here. So Spencer Tillman actually lives in Sugarland. One of his daughters went to school with one of my daughters. I met his wife one day pumping gas. I was like, hey, you're from OU. And she's like, yeah, I used to be a cheerleader there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And she said, my husband used to play football there. And I was like, oh, really? And I kind of figured it out. I played my little detective card there. But Spencer Tillman is actually one of the, the Houston Texans kind of announcers and color commentators and all of those different things. And he says something, and if you've ever heard him on TV, over and over and over again, he quotes a former coach of his, and the former coach was named Bill Walsh. And Bill Walsh used to say, the inner game cannot not be played. Now, that's kind of a mouthful, okay? But how many of you guys hear what he's saying? In other words, what he's saying is, you can't turn off your mind from the conversation that you have about your life about what's happening or not happening in it, and on and on down the line, how the interactions went. Now, how many of you guys have ever had that situation where you have an interaction that lasts a handful of seconds and then it takes your minds away for like hours and hours later? Can I get an amen? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's an example of the inner game cannot not be played. In other words, you can't just grab the volume and turn it down. Stephen Furtick wrote a book about it, and he says it's called Crash the Chatterbox. In other words, the chatterbox inside of your mind never stops talking to you and telling you a story about what is going on, not happening, your relationships, the things that you're doing well, the things that you're not doing well, how other people perceive you, what your past is like, the regrets you have, and I could go on and on and on, couldn't I? So ultimately, what he's saying here is so powerful. He says that the inner game cannot not be played. So here is what I would agree with him on this without a doubt. You can't turn it off. So the only thing that you can do is make sure that you're doing it right. I'm gonna say that one more time and you guys can get ready with a good amen because y'all know if you give me a good amen, I keep moving. If not, I go back, right? Y'all know how that happens. So, all right. So ultimately, it cannot be turned off. So you better do it right, amen? Okay, see, I know y'all. All right, here we go. So don't miss this. When we seek change in our lives, we often change what we do, but we go back to that status quo when we get the actions and outcomes that we've always gotten, and we stay there unless we've changed the self-belief, self-talk, that inner dialogue that we have about how to deal with our outcomes. Because the truth is, is that whether or not you realize it, you have a conversation about your outcomes and what they say about you and about the situation and on and on and whether or not you will continue to hammer away at that problem or if you will give up and say, well, see, I guess it just never was meant to be. How many of you know people that like that? I mean, they, they've hit up against an obstacle and they just stop and they say, you know, I, maybe I just was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have ever tried this. And because of that, they never do anything different or better in their life because they won't keep going, they will tell themselves a different story that says you don't need to keep going because it's no use anyway. The inner game cannot not be played, so you better change it and make sure it's the right one that reflects what God says about you, not what you say or think about 
yourself. Now let's keep going here. Let's go to our next slide. Everybody knows what this is. How many of you, I should say, almost every single one of us knows what this is clearly. This is the rear view looking out the windshield, right? Okay, so we know what it is, but can I ask you to do me a little mental exercise? Now, think about the size of the windshield in comparison to the rearview mirror. Now, how many of you in here consider yourself a good driver? Can I see your hand? Yes, we all think we're good drivers. Every one of us thinks we're good drivers. The, they say that about 90% of us say that we're above average drivers, which is mathematically impossible, just FYI. The rest of y'all are wrong, I'm right. So anyway, <laughs> here we see something that we see every single day, but can you imagine if they were flipped? If your rear view was the size of your windshield and the windshield was the size of your rear view mirror. Now, how many of you know that you would not be nearly the driver that you think that you are <laughs> if you only had just this much in your field of vision and this huge amount was reflecting what was already passed. You guys see what I'm saying? Now let me ask you a question, and you don't need to raise your hands here, but I'm asking this question. How many of you are actually living like what I just described? What is past is more important to you than what is actually coming towards you and what is lying forward. Because there are people, you know them, and I won't tell you if you are one of them, but I promise you, you know someone who what has happened in their past is the biggest thing that looms in their future. And the small little glimpses that they catch of what could be are just disregarded because they are so focused on the large thing that they just can't get over that has already happened to them, sometimes years, sometimes even decades ago. If you guys understand where I'm coming from, give me another amen. So here's what you have to say. I am not built for this. I am built for something different. I am built for something that lies ahead. As that passage of scripture that I have mentioned a few different times, that one to remember, that passage of scripture that I memorized from a different version of the scriptures, okay, so it's not perfect, but it basically says that from the Apostle Paul, he wrote the words to the Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind me and straining towards those things which are ahead, I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm called for more than what's in my rearview mirror. God still has a plan for me. And I don't know how old you are, I don't know what you've told yourself, but no matter what, if you're still breathing air, God still has a plan for your life to accomplish something, and it's not yet time to give up or throw in the towel. All right, so let's keep moving here as we go on. Here's something to learn. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that contains Jesus' teaching that is known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you're looking in your scriptures, it's almost all red letters. It's just huge slabs of Jesus just teaching this and teaching that and teaching another thing over and over. And these three chapters are almost nothing but straight Jesus' teachings. But in this, Jesus delivers some of his most basic, profound, and most memorable teachings. The idea of an eye for an eye. The meek shall inherit the earth, the salt of the earth, as well as the idea of the city on a hill or the Lord's prayer. All of these things are found in, guess where? The Sermon on the Mount, okay? They're all in the Sermon on the Mount, so it's incredibly important. 
And one of the things that he says in there is what Tiffany just read from Matthew chapter 5. We're going to get there in just a second. Let's go to our next slide. And here's what we want to talk about. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus presents to the Jewish people a profound shift that is as earth-shaking to Jews as it is bedrock to Christians. God is just as concerned about what you think as he is about what you do. They are clearly connected, and it is not just our actions that we must address. Jesus says clearly your mindset matters to God. I'm just going to put this out there. And I'm telling you, if you look at the Old Testament scriptures, if you look at the book of Jonah, Jonah was a racist prophet. It's hard for us to wrap our head around that. But he was thinking to himself, well, if I don't do the wrong things, it doesn't matter how I feel or what I think. But finally, Jesus got to this point where he says, listen, what you think is is that you're close to God because of only what you do. But I'm here to tell you there is more. Your mindset matters to God. Here's what I want to share with you as we go to our next slide. We go to this. This is Matthew 5. And Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. In other words, all the Old Testament scriptures still are intact. And I've come to fulfill them, not to throw them out. And then he goes through this thing where he says, you have heard it said. And then he fills in this blank. And then he says, but I instead say to you. Now, that's me paraphrasing a little bit. But he is taking all of the things that they have grown up thinking, and he's saying, Yeah, that's good, but I'm going to go you one better. I'm going to go you one step further. I'm going to push you to think differently, not just act differently. So he goes in there and he says, You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. That's what you do. You murder somebody. You've done something, right? But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks on a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so that is not okay. That's the New Texas version, all right? Then he goes on, he says, you have heard it said, tell the truth to your neighbor. But I'm here to tell you, tell everyone the truth. And don't just do it when you swear to God up above or swear on the temple, or swear on the the commandments, or any of that stuff. Just say yes, and let it be yes. Or say no, and let it be no. Don't do anything else. And then he says, and I've heard you, love your enemy, or love your uh, neighbors, and hate your enemies. But I say to you instead, love those who mistreat you. You hear how all this is happening? Jesus is saying, you're talking about what you do. I'm talking about even further. Your mindset matters to God. Now, here's what I want to share with you. How can we win in our mindset? It's clearly important to God. It clearly matters to him, and you'll see even more things in the next few slides. But let's keep moving here as we do, and I believe as we come to next, we come to the big idea. Any transformation begun will regress unless, regress unless, regress unless. See see what I did there? I mean, I'm hoping that you all put that together. All right. All right, Shelly's the only one who likes that. All right, so any transformation begun will regress unless you change your what? Inner dialogue. So would you guys say this out loud with me as we move forward? One, two, three. Any transformation begun will regress unless you change your inner dialogue. So important. 
and so powerful as we change it. Let's keep moving here, and we're going to keep going. I've already spoken about this from Colossians chapter 3 and mentioned it a couple or three different times, but clearly, as Paul writes, he says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are in earth, because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, it's not expressly written here, but let me tell you what this says to me. This tells me that there is a part of us that has to die within our mind in order for us to begin to think more like Christ. I don't think I'm going too far. Maybe you do. If you do, I apologize. We can talk about it, and we can figure it out later together. But here's what I believe. When he says to set your minds on things that are above and not on things of the earth, and then he goes on to the very next uh, verse and says, for you've died, that means there is a part of you that will always stay stuck, focused on all of these things that keep your mind running in the wrong directions and focused on the wrong things. But instead, you have to kill that part and change your mindset. And it can only be done as God allows and God enables. And as we set with purpose and intention our mind in a different place than here on this earth. Let's keep moving as we go to our next slide. There are three elements of success that I've been talking about and I've been sharing with you over and over over the last few weeks. And this is important to me because I believe with all of my heart this will help you to begin momentum and to sustain it even when it gets hard. So it's competence, confidence, and character. All three of those things have to be in place for you to succeed. Now here's what I would share with you. If you will go deeper and look within and you will say, you know what, I'm not getting all of the things that I think I want in my life. I want things to be different in my financial life. Well, you know, you probably will not be a person who automatically understands everything about the stock market when you graduate seventh grade. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's just not gonna happen. So you've gotta learn some things. That's the competence factor. And then you have to say, you know what, I've got to come to the place where I actually make an investment in order for something, and it might not work out perfectly, but I've gotta have confidence that I've done all my homework that I needed to do, and now I'm gonna make an investment. That's the confidence. And then, how many, okay, have y'all ever seen the stock market on a line? I mean, it's like this, and then it's like this, and then it's like this, and I mean, it's all over the place. You have to have character to say, these two days that have not been good in the stock market doesn't mean I need to get out of the stock market, right? And so the, this is just financial, just financial. But talk about your relationships in the same vein. Let's go to our next slide. If you don't understand that you have to have confidence, or competence, confidence, and character in your relationship, you will not get where you need to go. Now, some of you think that ultimately, you can just do whatever feels natural. I'm gonna promise you something. I used to do what was natural in my relationship, and it was like throwing darts at a dartboard, and most of the time, it wasn't thunking into the bullseye. As a matter of fact, it was more wall area around the actual, <laughs> it was like, <clears throat> uh, I didn't even make it on the board, you know? I started learning some things, reading some books, talking to people who had successful marriages that would give me insight. And I started throwing that same dart and occasionally I started hitting. And then more and more and more and more, I learned, put into practice, 
had some confidence because ultimately sometimes it didn't feel like it was my words. It didn't feel like it was me. And so I was like, I feel a little weird about this, but I guess I ought to do what they've asked me to do. I, I feel a little weird about coming home with this flower, like, uh, you, know, you know, whatever. Hey, amazingly, they knew what they were talking about. I had to have the confidence to do it. And then I had, the character, I had to have the character to say, you know what, I didn't fix it all. There's more flowers to be bought. <laughs> There's more words to be said. There's more dates to be gone on. There's more getaways to have, right? And you can switch this to your kids if it's not your marriage relationship. Some of you guys have not reached to your kids and you've not made that connection. You know it and they know it, but you're not really seeking what does it mean? What does it look like to be competent in being a parent of a child who's in their 20s? I've got three of them in my 20s. You know what used to work when they were seven does not work anymore. <laughs> this is true because it's a new season of life, so I have to keep changing if I want to keep that relationship with my kids. So it's competence, it's confidence, and it's character, and it can't just be one. It can't just be two. It has to be all three in varying measures. Now, again, I say, if you guys will give me a good amen, I think you've got it. Can I get an amen? Okay. Yeah, Y'all are so predictable, and yet so am I, right? Okay, so let's keep moving here as we keep going forward. I'm going to go all the way to our don't miss this number B, if you don't mind, Colin. Let's go to our next one here. Many of us speak about the power of our dreams to inspire us to achieve. That's taking action, and it is true. I'm not discounting that. But we often don't pay attention to what effect the accumulation of negative thoughts has within our relationships or our jobs or our daily mood or our major life choices and eventually our destinies. In other words, whenever you have somebody cut you off because you live in Houston, Texas, you can let that ruin your day. Can I get an amen? Right, that happens. We let it ruin our whole day. Well, why are you mad? I don't know. It really goes back to 847 when somebody grabbed that parking place we thought we had, right? Then that just ruined our day. And so everybody's gonna pay the price for our bad day. And that one person who lives rent-free in your head all day long, right? Or we can say, you know what? It's just a parking place. It's just an idiot who doesn't know how to drive. And you know, I, I started to say something. I'm not gonna get sidetracked. I'm gonna keep going, all right. But you know what I'm saying. It's difficult out there to keep your mindset from going down when people frustrate you. But ultimately, you choose what will happen in your mind and your mindset. And the inner game cannot not be played, so you better play it well or it will ruin your daily mood. And you will become a person who becomes frustrated, angry, aggravated, rather than kind, gentle, loving. Because one of them is easier than the other. Can I definitely get an amen on that, right? It's so much easier to be negative. All right, let's keep moving here as we keep going. I wanna talk about some very specific things. So let's go to our next slide. How do we do that? How do we make sure what's happened in our past is not what determines our future. Let's go to our next slide, and I want to be very specific. Here's your steps forward, and I'm going to get to them today. Yay! Okay, here we go. You have to identify your biggest issue or issues. 
It may be worry and fear, and that means both the things that are happening internally or externally. Your worry and your fear. (laughs) That's what Jesus actually talks about in that passage of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry. (laughs) Do not be afraid that you won't have enough. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you as well. And let's keep moving here. Let's go to our next uh, slide here. The constant comparison which come from jealousy and greed. And let me just say something real quick. You may say, well, Randy, you don't understand. If I had better stuff and better people, then I wouldn't do the constant comparison. But because my people aren't good and my stuff ain't good, then I have to constantly compare. I'm here to tell you that you can lie to yourself. And if that's what you think, you are lying to yourself. I've had to come to the place where part of my vocabulary with Shelly is, as I sometimes say, hey, what about this? And she's like, I don't see it that way. And I'm like, well, I sure do. And she's like, I don't really see it that way at all. And I'm like, okay, well, it's possible that I am lying to myself. Because the truth is, is that sometimes my feelings will take me in a direction that I don't need to be in. And I'll be frustrated with people that I love I'll be unkind to people that I actually care about and want to be kind to, all because somewhere in the, in the line, I've started lying to myself, and I thought I was telling the truth, even when I wasn't. I, that, that right there will change your whole inner dialogue if you will let it, if you will allow it. You can learn to say, you know what, I might just be lying to myself. Maybe my feelings are lying to me. Now, I don't know if you guys have a favorite band. Do y'all have a favorite band? Everybody's got a favorite band or favorite artist. One of Shelly's and mine, they they got us out of a big old huge hairy fight. One time we went to a concert by Johnny Swim. Have y'all ever heard of Johnny Swim? Anybody in here Johnny Swim fans at all? It's just me and Shelly. It was just the three of us, uh, you know, just a handful of us. But I want you to listen. These people are famous musicians Y'all have probably even heard some of their songs on TV, on the HGTV channel and all that stuff. I want you to listen to what she and he put out together. It's a husband and wife duo that literally, they put music together and it is amazing and phenomenal. And I will tell you, that dude Abner on the right is literally one of the most talented and handsome men I think I've ever seen. And the wife ain't bad, okay, I'm just saying. So when I say this, just understand two beautiful people, two talented people, two famous people, two wealthy people, this is what they say in their own thing that they put out on a reel just the other day. It says, life, much like Instagram and Facebook, offers endless options a day for self-doubt and comparison. It feels extra true for us at home in LA. While objectively our lives could be more than we ever dreamed, full of love and passion, adventure, defeats and victories. Sometimes just a moment of comparison can send us reeling in a sense of self-loathing, doubt and desire. Even if we know objectively how lucky we are, we can be consumed with comparing our imaginary units of fulfillment to that of all the folks around us. We wrote this song about just that. It's the very real battle towards the middle about not living life trying to beat anyone or win, but about trying, however unsuccessfully, to be observers of our own greatest gift. It's about filling our souls with fulfillment and joy that comes freely 
when we can stop comparing our house to that Frank Gehry down the street. And if you don't know who Frank Gehry is, he's a famous architect that did uh, the Walt Disney Hall in L.A. So famous, beautiful, wealthy, amazingly accomplished and talented people are still telling you that they have to watch their mind of going down that slide of the slope of comparison. If that is you, I promise you, you will never be happy no matter how good things are because there will always be at least one person out there who's got it better than you in this one certain area. And so you cannot let comparison sneak their way in. All right, let's keep moving here as we go on. Um, one more time, let's go to our next slide if you don't mind because I am finishing this. It's worry and fear, it's constant comparisons, it's the negative words, both internal or you're saying them outwardly. It's regret and unforgiveness in your life that is taking you backwards and preventing you from really truly enjoying and moving. The word is forward. Let's go to our next slide. There's four of them, but I'm moving a lot quicker here. Here, we talk about the prayer and the scripture and the mindset that propel us forward. And I shared with you last week, there is a slide, uh, pardon me, there is a four-month reading plan. They're right here. They're back there on the reception counter. This is a way that you can read all of the New Testament in four months. And you will accomplish it by simply reading three chapters a day, Monday through Friday. It is something that will change and set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. You can also join us for Ephesians as well. Those things propel you forward. And then that conversation that's going on inside, you need to make a mantra. In other words, you need to have that little phrase like what I've told you about on my own, where maybe I'm lying to myself. Maybe I'm telling myself a lie. Here's some. If you worry, if that's your big thing, I won't worry. I know God's got this. If it's comparisons, God knows and provides for my needs. Not my wants, but my needs. God has got my needs covered. If it's negativity, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to set my mind on things that are above. I want a better life, and it begins with better thoughts. And then regret, and this one gets us all. There is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I feel that rising up inside of me. I quote this passage of scripture all the time. Literally, I just quoted the whole thing to you, so it's not hard to remember. But it is the way that you step forward. Let's keep moving here. And let's go to this next slide. If you don't mind, the next slide. There we go. So finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise, think about these things, not the others. You see the difference there? But I want you to notice this is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It talks about that and says, Where should we put our mind? And then what does it say in Philippians chapter 9? It's almost like a pivot or a swivel. Go to the next slide. You'll see what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. What is the next word? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, if you're putting your mind in the right place 
It's not just putting your mind in the right place forever. Eventually, you have to shift and pivot and put into practice those things that you have seen be successful in godly people as they live their lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto God. This is your reasonable act of worship. That's what Romans chapter 12 says. So as we keep moving and as we bring this to a close and kind of move quickly, your steps forward are all of these things. And that's that fourth thing. You've got to make the moves that you need to make, whether that's forgiveness or memorization of the scriptures or realization about where you really are or admitting some things to people so that you can move forward or confessing some things to people and committing to making those changes. This is all This is all what we are called to do as we live a life for Christ, and this is what it looks like. We identify the big issues. We let prayer and scripture change our mindset. We have the mantra to make sure that we don't go that same hole that takes us down every time, and then we make the moves that we need to make. Here's where we go to our, I believe, the I apply by here. Identify your issue and fill in that blank. Memorize your mantra that I just mentioned just a minute ago. And then third, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through prayer, scripture, and a change of your mindset. That's how you do it, and that is how you move forward.